All right, everybody, welcome in. It is finally upon us. It is Super Bowl week. Tomorrow is the Super Bowl. It's the end of what has been the most bizarre season I think I have ever experienced in my lifetime. That was the 2020 season. I'm so incredibly grateful for the 2020 season. It was the greatest season of a Browns fan could ever have. So we're going to wrap that up tonight. Um, you know, I'm your host, Jacob, over at Rochism13 on Twitter. We got joined, as always, by my co-host, Isaac, over at Isaac10G. And um, we've got a great show for you tonight. Yeah. Yeah, guys, it'll be fun. Um, we want to talk about uh, some mock drafts um, that both of us have been kind of going through. And if you guys aren't familiar with the Draft Network um, uh, website, it's a great resource to use. Um, and then we're going to go through and we're going to talk about some some news that we've heard in the NFL world as far as, you know, give our takes on the updated Sean Watson situation. The new news as of today that Carson Wentz could be shipped out as of, you know, as soon as early this week. Uh, we don't know. We, we're going to talk about where we think he might land, you know, how that's going to work out with this contract situation that's going around. Um, we've got a lot of fun things to talk about. And, of course, you know, a lot of you guys may be uh, tuning in to see and hear our Super Bowl and playoff picks. It's a big weekend. It's the biggest weekend in probably the sports world. We've got two great teams going at it. It's going to be a fun Sunday evening for sure. I think it's the battle of the goats. The young. Yeah. 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 I mean, can you really call Mahomes the goat yet, though? No, like, 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 I think it would be like, like Brady is the old goat and, and, and Mahomes is the new face of the NFL. As Brady slowly fit, rides off into the sunset 10 years from now, Mahomes will then take over yeah, yeah. as a new All right, so uh, as Isaac has alluded to, uh, we have st- Isaac has started this week. This is my second or third week over at our on our Twitters. Uh, both of us are now doing weekly mock drafts for the Cleveland Browns and, and for the New York Giants on Isaac's side. Uh, up, up until this week, I had been doing a three-round mock. I went to a four. I don't want to go past four because I'm not a draft guy, so I don't know that deep into the draft who any of them are. And it would be just an awful exercise, and you guys would be like, that guy is not even going to be drafted. Why are you taking him in the fifth yeah. round? So I like, I like situational awareness, right? So we're... <laughs> We understand what's going on there. So we're going to transition. Uh, if you get an opportunity, go to our um, our Twitter handles, uh, Roachism13 and Isaac10G, for, for if you didn't hear me stutter them out at the beginning of the show. Um, so we're going to look at – I'm going to w- walk you through my mock draft a little bit, um, see what Isaac thinks of that mock draft. We'll jump over. Isaac will walk you through his mock draft, and we'll see what I think about that mock draft. So. Yeah. I will say this, that keep in mind my mock draft, I went in a different direction this week, and, and I tweet in my tweet I said that I believe corner, uh, both slot, at least one position, a starting corner, either the slot corner's position or the opposite position of Denzel Ward uh, will be addressed in free agency or via trade. Up until now, I had thought I had settled on pick 26 being a corner. Um, I have settled on believing that that position will already have been filled. So that's my prerequisite to why this is where my draft goes. So um, there are a lot of hard names to pronounce in this year's draft. Yeah. There is, man. And, I, and, and of course, me being me, those are the ones I picked. So I am so, so sorry to the young men that are immensely more talented to me that I am about to butcher your names. I apologize. So first up in the first round, pick 26, I went with Aziz Ajilari. Uh, and it's an edge, rush, edge rusher. Well, they've got him listed as an edge rusher. He's kind of an outside linebacker, hybrid edge rushing uh, a player from Georgia. And and listen, Miles needs a teammate on the other side. OV really, really played out of his mind. Now, by the time OV started playing out of his mind, uh, Miles wasn't the same from COVID. And so we didn't, we didn't really got that full effect, but it, it really breaks your heart to see uh, Vernon tear his Achilles, rupture his Achilles in week 17. You know, he was playing into another contract and, and, and I just, it breaks my heart. Don't get me wrong. So I think the Browns go edge rusher, get him, get a good talented, uh, you know, you're looking at this guy out of Florida, or I'm sorry, out of Georgia. 
there's a couple guys I picked out of Florida State, and I get confused. And and, and he just he is a nightmare. I mean, he he gets to the quarterback. He gets in the backfield. He's better against the run than I think people give him credit for. And I mean, when you're, I can see the people that don't think it. Maybe he's a number one guy. You know, there's some issues with him. But here's my thing about that. You're drafting a second guy. You're drafting a guy opposite Miles Garrett. You know, you're drafting a guy that most of the time is going to have Miles Garrett on the other side. And I think, I think uh, a Jalari can, uh, you know, uh, I think he can play. Now, pick 58 is my favorite pick of this entire draft. And, and I've seen some mocks where he actually goes to the Browns at 26. And I think people think it's wild, but I will take it. If, if the Cleveland Browns can find a way to draft Elijah Moore, the wide receiver out of Ole Miss, I listen, this dude will burn you. He is going to roast you. He's going to get open. He's going to juke you. Uh, you know, he he's not Devontae Smith necessarily. I mean, that would be great if he was there at 26, but there's no way. But anyway, you know, he yeah, – right. if you can imagine this offense, if Nick Chubb didn't have nine men in the box because you got to respect Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore will beat you over the top. Baker Mayfield has shown that he can throw it over 60 yards in the air, and this is the guy that can be over 60 yards down the field in two or three seconds. Like he will be down – not – Two or three seconds, you know, it's like a forty time. He'll be that. He'll be, he'll be like thirty or forty yards in two or three seconds. It's. I mean, the dude is a burner. Uh, I don't know what his official forty time is. I think that'll. I don't think that really affects my opinion on him. I'd love to see what his official forty time one is when it comes. Um, I took the. In, I'm not even going to try to say your name because I will butcher it. But the big D tackle, um, first name's Marlin out of uh, out of USC. Dude's got an amazing bull rush. He's a big body. He clogs the middle of the line. That's what they pe- people need. But the Browns, I'm not looking for the Browns. I'm not looking for a D tackle necessarily to sack my quarterback. I want a D tackle that forces the running backs and the quarterbacks to have to go to the outside. I don't want your quarterback to be able to step up into the pocket. I want him to have to move laterally to have to deal with Aziz and Mar- and Miles Garrett. You know and Adrian Claiborne and those guys on the outside, move him into your playmakers, be a big body, be an immovable object. And I think that's exactly what we can get with this big D tackle out of USC. We'll switch over. Uh, Andrew Cisco. I love Andrew Cisco a lot. Uh, the Browns want to play three big safeties. I love Andrew Cisco out of Syracuse. Um, at just about every mock draft I've done and all the mock drafts that I really like seeing other people do. Andrew Cisco goes somewhere in the third round to the Cleveland Browns. Um, I picked 91 uh, in this situation. I did a few trades. There's some things going around in there. Uh, Janaris Robinson is an edge rusher. Um, I like a lot out of Florida State and, you know, going into the fourth round. You can never have too many edge rushers. You can never have too many corners. That's where I ended my draft. I, I drafted Ambry Thomas in the fourth round, uh, corner out of Michigan. At this point, it, you're you're picking apples over oranges once you get into the fourth round and stuff. And you're talking yeah. about edge rushers. You're talking about corners. Let's find some guys that can play football, that can play the position, that want to compete, and let's see what happens. That's my mock draft. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know. Yeah, I mean these mock drafts have been a lot, a lot of fun. This is my first week going through it, and it kind of opened your eyes as what possibilities are out there. It's so but, fun. And yeah, it's super early. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. But it's so much fun to see, you know, what analysis will tell you what your team needs and what you think. And then going through the draft yourself and being able to see, oh, wow, this person's still available at this point in time in the draft. Um, No, I I, I like your picks. Um, I'm actually surprised with one of your your picks with Aziz Ojolari. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I screwed your name up. I, I really am. I'm, I'm sorry for that. But um, I actually had him going in the second round, potentially to the Giants. And, you know, yeah, the, the Browns are picking later, <coughs> excuse me, in the first round. So, um, but that is a talented player. That really is a talented player. He's got that athleticism that can really transform into the NFL. Um, he would be good in a hybrid defense. He would be good in a 4-3 defense. It's he has a lot of skill set um, that could be adapted and used by both teams. Um, so out of those, out of your picks, man, that's the one that really stuck out to me because I think he is probably, I think he's going to do well in the NFL. 
Um, he did well in college. He was a great edge rusher out of Georgia. Um, I'm excited to see where he lands. I'm not going to lie. I hope he lands with the Giants, but it, it's hard to tell. I mean, um, the Browns need an edge rusher just like the Giants do. Um, so with, with my picks, man, but the first time I took a step back and I really – like the Giants need a lot of things, right? They need help on the line. They need help on a couple spots in the defense. Um, and then they need help on kind of the offensive weapon type of things. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and I'm looking like wide receiver. What do we do with wide receiver, right? We go first round wide receiver being picking at 11. Um, do we wait a little bit? Do we go on to free agents? What do we do with that? So I sit back, I decided the Giants likely, I have a feeling they're going to try to fix some of their wide receiver issues and free agency. I feel like they're going to try to sign somebody. So first round, I go through, and I pick up Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. Um, I picked picked Kyle Pitts because he is an athletic body that sort of reminds you of Evan Ingram. So he was used at Florida as a tight end, but they also lined him out in the slot. They lined him outside of the line, and that's the fit. That's the type of scheme that the Giants are looking for. I really do think – that Evan Ingram will be on his way out. I think they may trade him, cut him, I'm not sure, Um, and Kyle Pitts may be drafted. After that, I have Aziz, because the Giants need some help on the edge. Then, probably my most surprising pick um, was Jarrell Cox, linebacker out of LSU. It'd be great to get in with Blake Martinez and really solidify our second second level of our defense. And then lastly, I have, this is going to be a name I'm going to completely destroy, so I apologize, Sage Surratt, wide receiver out of Wake Forest. I think it's uh, Surratt. Surratt, is that I think. I, I've heard somebody say it, but there's no way I'm saying it right. Yeah, yeah, probably not. I mean, all due respect to you if you ever listen to this, but I, sorry. Anyway, he's a big receiver. He's a big slot receiver, right? And I think that's... That's probably what surprises me, or not surprises me. That's what I probably like the most uh, about this particular individual. He's got that big body. I don't want to say he necessarily reminds me of Hakeem Nix, but he kind of reminds me of Hakeem Nix of what he's capable of doing and being physical down the field. Um, that would be, you know, if we get a big body slot guy, my goodness, man. You see how well those guys work down the field and they can get that aggressive fight for yards, fighting for the ball like we did see with Hakeem Nix. Uh, so if they pair that with a, a good free agency pick with, I don't know, maybe Allen Robinson or a guy like that, man, it would be, be cool to see. You know, I, I we were very, very uh, high on Hakeem Nix as a prospect, and I, and I loved him as a player too, what he did in the NFL. But like, You remember when we what we were doing when uh, Hakeem Nix was uh, drafted in the NFL? We were at Applebee's. Yeah, for our, for our prom dates, and you and I, we were sitting there watching the draft, and our dates were like, "What are you guys doing?" It's like, "It's the draft." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was my senior. It was my senior prom, and yeah, it, it was your junior prom. Yeah, we were at Applebee's uh, watching the draft. Um, I think the, that year the Browns traded back and drafted Alex Mack, which turned out to be a heck of a pick. That Alex Mack is a heck of a center, but it's still playing hard. But yeah, no, I do, I do. You said that, and I was like, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I was trying to, so I knew oh, the yeah, answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, because I think the Browns then later when we were getting ready to walk into prom, that's when they drafted Brian Rubisky from Ohio State. Yeah. Yep. Two big wide receiver prospects that we were, like, super high on. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That, that's a great comparison, though, because I've heard him um, – he's one of those names that, like, watch for, right? Like, yep. you need to watch for him. He could go as early as the early second, uh, late as the fourth. But, this is what I've been heard. Uh, a guy I really like over at uh, SI. I know Browns fans aren't super high on Pete Smith because Pete Smith thinks they should move on from Jarvis Landry, and it just it rubs some people the wrong way. But Pete Smith, the way Pete's the reason Pete, Pete Smith doesn't hate Jarvis Landry. Pete Smith wants to win a Super Bowl, and if you listen and objectively to what he says, like he has points. But Pete, Pete Smith has talked about that this wide receiver class is just so deep. There are so many great wide receivers. Because I asked Pete Smith after um, 
I had posted my mo- my mock with Elijah Moore going 58 to the Browns, and then I I think it was like Bleacher Report or one of the big media outlets uh, posted their mock, and Elijah Moore went uh, 26. And I was thinking, wow, like, is it a pipe dream? I asked him, I said, hey, Pete Smith, uh, I took him at 58. Is it a pipe dream that he could he could be there at 58? And he said, no, I don't think it is. He says, I think it just shows that there is a lot of really good receivers. And it just, it differ. It, it just depends on who values who better. Like, who has Elijah Moore 26 or who has him 58? If you believe the Giants in the second round are going to take him, you take him at 26 or you trade back to like 30 and take him because the Giants are going to get there for him, you know, something like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's that, that's um, fine. One thing you're right. I mean, the wide receiver class in this draft is it, – it's impressive of how deep it really is. It's a good time it, to need a receiver. Yeah, and you're looking at guys this year that may be – late second, early third round picks that in previous years may be high twos, late ones, yeah. you know? Um, it's crazy to it's crazy to see what a year of, you know, draft personnel, draft players, or potential prospects can do as far as your standings on the board. Because I really do believe, it, it, say Charette, hopefully that's right, this is a prime example that I have him being picked in the fourth round. But that doesn't necessarily mean a year ago he might have been a second-round pick. You don't know. That could happen this year. It depends on what people grade him just like and what their needs are. Here, here's my biggest uh, surprise for you, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll ask you what you think about this. Uh, because it's it, I almost took Cox, the linebacker from uh, LSU. I have an issue right now a little bit, and it's off the field. Um, and it's also a little bit of a bias – uh, I have an issue with LSU players right now, and this is why. I have an issue stemming from the report that seemed to have been brushed under the rug, but there's these massive allegations against basically that entire program um, with with uh, sexual misconduct. Yeah. Uh, Grant Delpit. Uh, was named Jacob Phillips was named two guys that the Browns took last year. Of course, Jacob Phillips, what he did really well in LSU, he didn't do all that well consistently this year. Now he was very hurt and he was in and out of the lineup. So I'm kind of concerned. I almost took Cox because the Browns need a linebacker. They're never going to take a linebacker in the first round. They don't value that position high enough. So I don't think Zayvon Collins ever happens like people think he will. And I could be completely wrong. The Browns might value linebacker all of a sudden a lot more than they did last year because of what happened this year. We don't know. We're not in those meetings. But... I wanted to take him somewhere in uh, with one of my third round picks. I believe it may have been when I went D tackle. I think I was going to go linebacker, and my issue there was a lot of people have said have been vocal about staying away from LSU players so long as Orgeron's there and these allegations because they're they've not been proven true, but they also haven't really been shot down. Right. Um, and, and I'm not sure how much Orgeron develops his defense. I'm, I'm afraid of that. So my question is, are you worried in any way, shape, or form about potential allegations that could or could not be true when it comes to LSU players and maybe the potential lack of development from the defensive side? I mean, yeah, that's a risk. I mean, it's always a risk. Um, anytime that there's kind of negative publicity that's going around, or allegations or rumors or whatever you want to call it, um, in my in my point of view, I guess yes, I would be cautious. I really would be. Um, and and in being cautious, my backup pick for that I kind of have pulled up, but I want to say is Taysom Taysom Campbell, um, a cornerback. That was my backup pick in this situation. But Jabril Cox, talented player. I don't see him falling too far in the draft for this. Um, I, I would say that his his range is still going to be the three to four. Somebody is going to draft him. I mean, we've seen this in drafts before where players have a 
stigma behind them or the organization have something going on behind them and they still get picked up. And sometimes it may or may not impact the player. With that being said, you kind of know my stance on um, character and character for players outside of football. Um, I'm probably one of the more conservative and maybe old school approaches. Uh, maybe that's me being a Giants fan through the Tom Coughlin era. Um, but I really put my value on player character on and off the field. Um, so if these allegations were to come about and be true, and let's say the Giants did draft him at three, and then they find out that this is true, then I would expect appropriate measures to be taken. Uh, I also wouldn't be upset at all for completely passing on him and saying, no, I don't want to take a risk for my number three or third round draft pick just to find out during the postseason, right before, you know, preseason starts that, oh, this is true. And now we've got an issue and we're going to lose basically our third round draft pick. So I'm I not, get yeah. I'm not saying that he was named in that report or those no, allegations. But, but, but you never know. Right. I, yeah. That, what I'm getting at, I don't want to make any accusations that we're not made or put words in anybody's mouth. That's not what I'm doing. But like you said, you never know. And my point is that some people believe they're, it, it speaks to the culture of what Orgeron's doing. That's what I'm getting at. And I'm not so, saying it's true or a problem. I'm just saying for me, I had him highlighted and I just for now clicked off yeah. of it. See, in that scenario, if it, yes, you could see a culture problem. We man, we've had a culture problem conversation with the Steelers and different teams um, throughout this uh, um, our podcast series here. Um, my point of view on that is this: you have a guy that comes from a potential culture problem, then you have to look at your leadership in your front office, and yeah. you've got to look at them, and you've got to say. Do I trust my guys that's leading and developing and coaching this team? Yeah. For a Giants perspective, I trust Joe Judge. I do. And Judge, we trust. I trust Joe Judge because I see a lot of similarities from Tom Coughlin era. I see the hard-nosed, old-school, accountability type of leadership. Um, maybe a little bit with uh, Bill Belichick, although... Bill Belichick was known to bring in kind of punks into the team just to kind of win games. He's he's known to do that. Um, yeah. So, scenario, culture problem or not, do you trust your coaches? If yes, do you take the risk on, on a player like this? If no, then maybe it is the best decision just to kind of see what happens. Yeah. I was, I was checking real quick. I know the NFL honors are tonight and uh, where Kevin Stefanski better win coach of the year. I don't care. Um, so, anyway, yeah, so we'll move on from that. That's just a – you know, obviously a, a kind of a draft analysis. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit, it was just something I wanted. It was interesting. The only reason I brought it up was because I had the same situation where I almost took him and I just wasn't sure about it. It's a good thing to bring up. It really is. It makes you think it, it, it goes through problem solving. I like it. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Deshaun Watson. We'll talk about Carson Wentz in a second. There's not a lot to talk about Deshaun Watson. I know you you personally want to speak on the Favre thing. Um, I'll say this. I'll say these two things. This is all I got to say on either, on both of the topics, and then I'll let you say, excuse me, whatever it is you feel inclined to say. Deshaun Watson, I feel like I kind of feel bad for the guy because the more and more I read from you know people that understand the way you know cap and trades and power struggles are. Uh, people that understand it far better than I ever will hope to uh, say he doesn't have any power. S- and I and I believe that to be the case. The more and more I look at it, I just really, really don't think he goes anywhere. I, I know he doesn't want to play. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, I told you last week, I said the only way I think he can get out of there, he's got to be willing to lose money and not show up. Um, I don't think they're going to trade him. They're not going to trade him until at minimum 
the preseason at minimum. That's I, I really don't think he's going to have to miss training camp days, you know, mini camps, training camps, whatever we have in 2021. He's going to have to miss them uh, in order for that to happen. As far as what Favre said, was there ever any more of a old man, hey, you kids, get off my lawn than what yeah. Favre said? That's all I got to say. I don't even care what Favre said. That's 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 uh, that's kind of my take on it. You know, he. Uh, I don't know why this is going on. Saquon Barkley needs protein, apparently. All right, there's our first plug. I'm just yeah, kidding. Quads, Saquon, Saquons. Um, first, I'll address uh, Brett Favre saying, "You think you make too much money in the league to have an opinion?" This just feels so just, weird. Like, I disagree with that. I, You know, yes, you make a ton of money. That is what it is. But I don't think that discredits of you not having an opinion on what you do or what you play. It makes no sense. Brett Favre, come on. You're like, better than that. You're better than you that. You are better than that. Um, and then letting the chips fall where they are. I can understand that to some extent, I guess. Um, especially after voicing your opinion. Okay, you voiced your opinion. Now you let everything play out, right? That's all you can really do. Yeah, you can hold out. You can be a, a Le'Veon Bell and be like, nah, I want money and, and, and do that stuff. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. For Deshaun Watson, I agree with you. It's going to take some sitting, and it's going to take some time to, to get the right thing. So who knows what's going to happen. Like we were talking about earlier, I don't necessarily see him going anywhere right now. I don't think his uh, his leadership is, is wanting to get rid of him. So, you know, we can move on, I guess. We'll see. Carson Wentz, okay. Um, <clears throat> listen, that news kind of broke out today. I mean, we, we not that it was like super big news. I think we all kind of knew something was going to happen. Can I side note real quick to uh, Nick C- uh, Cesario? Is that his name, the head coach of the New, New York, of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles? I'm so sorry. But then systems. Can it? He didn't put in a system for that press conference, man. <laughs> yeah, but systems are coming. Listen, listen. You gotta find a system. That's I, simple <laughs> for us, but not the defense. We've got to learn a simple system. And once that simple system is in place, you know, talent. <laughs> <laughs> that was my impersonation of his press conference, and I think I really did a good job. That's good. I, I like it. Beforehand, just to go over that, and you know, yeah. Okay, here's my thing about it. Like, um, and I, I've, 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 in the middle of getting ready to talk about Carson Wentz is when I remembered that I wanted to put this in the rundown and I hadn't. But um, uh, there's only one press conference I think. And like, listen, you don't win games in press conferences. But but your your fan base is watching that as 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 hope. It, it, it's yeah. it, it's what's going to carry them over until uh, training camp, un, until preseason, yeah. until you put uh, you know plans on the football field. And, and it's like, listen, I've been in many situations where Brown co- Browns coaches have won press conferences and then no games. So I'm not, I'm not. But like the only difference between his press conference and Adam Gase's press conference with the New York Jets is that Adam Gase was high off his mind and Nick's. <laughs> He didn't look like he was high off his mind. That was the only thing. Dude, I... Yeah. Steve... (laughs) First impressions are important, right? And, uh... If I acted like... If you were interviewing me for a job and I acted like that, are you giving me the job? No. Here's the thing. A Giants fan shouldn't be happy right now about that coaching pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. That makes sense. I'm like, oh, raw, good for this guy. He's going to steer them right to the ground. Yeah. He's going to be the next gate, right? Yes, that's great. Um, that's great. First impressions are everything. Yeah. It's he all we have. Them. Like, and as if I was an Eagles fan, I mean, I would have been so excited for this press, press conference because, like, I was for Joe Judge last year. And I see it, and I'm like, I'll run <laughs> through a brick wall for that guy. Not this guy. <laughs> I was like, I won't even, I won't even look at a brick wall for this guy. I don't think I'll move. Like, I'm just gonna stand here. It's not gonna happen. I'm just gonna eat my fatty fat chips over here and make fun of people that are way more in shape than I am. Okay, so um, the Carson Wentz thing, the the situation. I'll hand it over to you as I go find a charging cable for my phone. (laughs) 
Um, I wonder, I saw this online today because it broke as early, it, Schefter reporting it could be as early as this week. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to give up any kind of real tangible assets. Like I remember when Brock Osweiler uh, went to the, when the Browns took him. He never played a real snap for the Browns, but uh, they they gave a fifth round pick to, for Brock Osweiler in a second. So they were paid to take Osweiler's terrible contract from Houston. Um, I don't see a scenario where that's not that that's not what happens. Like like if you're going like. You added an extra first-round pick to take Goff's contract to get Matt Stafford. That was part of it. I don't see a scenario where Carson Wentz nets them a first-round pick at all. I think maybe he nets them a second and they have to give up a third kind of thing. But, like, the best I could see is, like, hey, here's a second-round pick. We'll take Carson Wentz and a third-round pick. But who wants to take that cap hit? I mean, yeah. you gotta be you gotta be a pretty desperate team, uh, and not think you're going to get a quarterback because there's like four or five I think really good quarterbacks in this draft. So you've got to be like, I don't know, maybe maybe New England. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't well, know. I think know, it's going to be hard. I'm concerned with Carson Wentz. Um, I like the guy. Don't get me wrong. I I, I think he's a talented player. But there's some there's some concern to be had, you know. Um, the past couple seasons, man, Wentz has been hurt, and we've seen some kind of bad play from him recently. And so he's not having black record or the uh, the flashiest stat line going in to trying to move away from the Philadelphia Eagles. With that being said, I don't necessarily think that he's not worth uh, worth somewhat to a team out there. Um, if I was looking back big picture, okay, and I'm trying to pick teams, you know, where do I see Carson Wentz landing? You know, what is he, what is he value, what is he worth as far as picked or draft capital? You know, I don't know as far as his worth, but a team that stands out to me as far as being in the Carson Wentz hunt is the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I say. Because of Frank Reich, coach on the Colts, has a relationship with Carson Wentz already with being with him his first two seasons. He was almost Uh, an MVP when he was there. And there's a lot to be said about a player-coach relationship, right? You, that's probably my team favorite going into the Wentz situation. And I think that that, in this situation, I think... Wentz would probably benefit the most going to a team that he can either a build a strong relationship with and have that trust in the organization or go to a team that he's capable of building that relationship, but also having an inside as far as knowing and having a relationship with a coach that's already established within an organization. So that's probably my favorite. I could see the Patriots and Bill Belichick coming in, sweeping up Carson Wentz and, you know, the rest is history. It's going to be really interesting um, because you never know. You know, Adam Schefter was saying that this could be the next blockbuster trade, you know, next to Matthew Stafford. The price is scary to me. I don't know what's going to happen. But when it does, we'll talk about it here. Yeah, I I mean, I'm with you on that. I I definitely see Indy. Indy's got to make a move some way to get a quarterback they're not in the greatest draft position to do such and so we're gonna see we're gonna see where they where they decide to venture out and uh and do that but you know we'll see when it's time to see um it, like like we've talked about a million different times i've been moving the microphone around so if sound's been weird i'm sorry but um we've talked about a million different times this offseason is about to be incredibly wild um yeah, so I uh, we'll, I don't know. We ready for the Super Bowl? We got something else on there, or we, we want to jump into the Super Bowl? Let's let's go Super Bowl. Let's go Super Bowl. I like to think it's the battle of the faces of the NFL. Tom Brady will someday retire in ten years, and maybe then Patrick Mahomes can actually be the man. Like, listen, dude. Like, I started doing TB. I started reading TB twelve again and doing some TB twelve workouts again because, like, my man 
I watched that NFC Championship game, and I'm like, I'm 30. <laughs> like, and I can't do half of what you're doing at 43. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. This might be the most excited I have been for a pure matchup uh, going into the Super Bowl, I think, in my entire life, without a rooting inf- interest. You know, in the past, when your Giants were in the Super Bowl, I was very excited for the super bowl uh our buddy jerry uh, is a good is a good uh big green bay packers fan when the packers were in there i was very excited yep. for his packers you know things like that i love kurt warner so when he was in the super bowl there was that but other than that it's like holy crap patrick mahomes tom brady in his 10th 10th super bowl man that's crazy um and it's hard, like, I'm, I'm not saying my pick by any means with this statement. Um, but it's hard not to root for Tom Brady in this situation. You know, I've never hated Tom Brady. I have. Ever. I, I respect his talent and his success more than most people know because that's so hard to do of what he's been able to accomplish. There's people who just hate Tom Brady and I look at that, and I'm like, well, all you're saying is you hate success. This dude has figured it out. And so it's really hard for me to root against him because of what he's almost able to accomplish. Going to a new team, new system, new city, going to a Super Bowl in your first year, playing a Super Bowl in your home stadium, and not only has... <laughs> I feel bad for Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers in this statement, but you realize that... Tom- Tom Brady in his first year of the NFC is going to a Super Bowl. And if he wins one in his first year, he has the same amount of Super Bowls as both other NFC quarterbacks. Kind of sad. Anyway, it's tough. But at the same time, you look at Patrick Mahomes and you see a young guy that has solidified himself in the NFL and will arguably be continued to talk about in the many years to come. And in... 15 years you and you and i may be recording a podcast and we may be saying is patrick mahomes the greatest of all time and comparing him to tom brady and it's his own way if that makes sense so yes this is probably as you said one of the most exciting matchups in super bowl like my living history at least yeah and i think that if you're a true sports fan even if you're not invested in the tampa bay um, buccaneers or the Kansas City Chiefs, you're just legitimately excited for this matchup because of the caliber of the teams, because of the caliber of the coaching staff, and just the story that's behind it. Yeah. But one, I did want to talk about this, and I don't know if you saw it. Maybe you did. Did you see Tom, Tony, not Tom, Tony Romo's comments about Patrick Mahomes? No. That this game, this game is almost a must-win game for him if he wants to continue to be in his career in the conversation of being a goat. And the reason he said that is because he's facing right now, arguably the greatest of all time. So if you cannot beat this player and this team when you're young and you failed to do so on two occasions in the AFC championship last year, well, Tom Brady lost to them. Um, Two two years ago. Yeah. Um, In the Super Bowl, if you lose this year in in this game, does that tarnish your ability or tarnish your record in any way to be in that go conversation? I looked at it and I was kind of taken aback by Tony Romo's comments um, because you can't argue how talented Patrick Mahomes is. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, no offense to Tony Romo, Patrick Mahomes is by far more talented than Tony Romo ever has been in the NFL. Um, I kind of see where he's going because this is such a big game. And if Tom Brady wins and moves on to the sunset and continues to get a get a hold in Tampa Bay just like he did with New England, I could see it. But at the same time, it's just that comment and that question from Tony Romo really made me think. And I want to get your thoughts about it. Okay, so I get what he's getting at. Because one thing, um, when we have like like I I think about other arguments for goats, right? So let's let's look at basketball's argument between, and I'm not making I'm not making a statement, but in basketball we have the argument between LeBron and and Michael, 
which one's the goat in that situation they never played each other right so like you can't say hey lebron was owen what would he would be oh mahomes would be oh and two in the playoffs if he lost uh tomorrow to tom so you can at least be like well hey look mahomes has played brady and, and I'll tell you that that makes it a unique situation when, like you said, 15 years from now, if we're trying to decide who's the GOAT. But I'll say this. I'll remind you this about Patrick Mahomes. That AFC Championship game, Patrick Mahomes got robbed because there was a very, very questionable, in my opinion, offsides call against yeah. the Chiefs that wiped out an interception that would have cinched the game for the Chiefs and then we'd be talking about Patrick Mahomes playing in his third season his third season as a starter being in his third straight Super Bowl. That's some Tom Brady level crap right there, if you ask me. Now listen, Tom Brady's playing in his 10th Super Bowl. There have been uh, what is this Super Bowl 58? No. No, this would be what what is the what is the number though? Like Tom's played in like ten percent of the Super Bowls. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's something stupid. So you're like, you know, ten Super Bowls. Even if he loses, he's six and four. He still has a winning record, even if he loses. And he's only lost to one guy not named Eli Manning. I mean, my point yeah. is, okay, the, the, this mm-hmm. is ah, you know what? To give you an opportunity to really, you know. Get your thought. I, I pulled up the exact quote from Tony Romo, and okay. I want to read. Okay. Boy, I'm not misquoting anything and putting words in people's mouths. I don't want to do that. You know, this is a, a this is a blurb of an overall conversation. You know, previously he was going on to say that this is probably, arguably, just like you and I were talking about, one of the biggest sports matchups mm-hmm. in the sport world. It's going to be so much fun tomorrow. So much fun. It's going to be a blast. And he even said this is a legacy game. This Mm -hmm. could be considered a legacy game. The big quote is this. He says, this is the biggest game Patrick Mahomes will ever play in for the rest of his career. It's the only way to catch Tom Brady. He has to win this this game. If he loses this game, he cannot catch Tom Brady, in my opinion. Okay, so... Okay, listening to it, you know what? I think he's got something there, and I'll tell you why. Because of what I just told you about the LeBron-Jordan debate. They never played. If he, he brings that up in this. Okay, he awesome. Of those parallels, this, you know, this is considered a LeBron James-Michael Jordan um, debate. But it's unique in this situation. Because they actually get to play. They're playing each other. Mm-hmm. If so, LeBron... Michael Jordan's played each other at some point in time in their career and one of in this type of game and one of them won we wouldn't be having an argument as far as who's better Mm -hmm. so okay so let's say Tom wins tomorrow so this is what you're asking me let's say Tom wins and somewhere down the line 15 years from now Mahomes goes on this stupid run like Brady did I don't think it'll ever be done nobody will win six or seven Super Bowls themselves I don't think ever again um, I don't think it's really not in our lifetime. And it, but, but if anybody could do it, I think Patrick Mahomes is probably the guy, at least right sure. now. So if you're saying down the road, we're looking at Patrick Mahomes playing in his 10th Super Bowl 15 years from now, and you and he's got six. Um, so he's going for seven at that mm-hmm. point. And you say, hey, tomorrow he will tie Tom Brady. Who's better Everybody's always going to say 0-2 against Tom in 0-1 in the big game. And it, you know what would be even fascinating? Oh, my God, if we could revisit this next year and, and they were playing in the Super Bowl again. They won't. The Browns will be in the Super Bowl next year, so it won't be. We, we're not worried about that. It'll be Browns and Giants. It'll be Browns and Giants, so we don't give a shit. But, but I mean, it would be awesome to have that opportunity. But you know what? That. The way the way we talked about it first, like he could never catch him, I thought I just kind of shook my head and said, "Ah, oh, that's so stupid. That's so stupid." That argument but, has legs. But yeah, it's not stupid, and it really, like, I was really excited to bring this up to you. Today. Yeah, and I didn't know I didn't want to give you any precursor to this at all because I wanted to catch you off guard, just like it caught me off guard when I saw it. I think I saw it on Instagram or something like that. 
And you're right. Because if you look, fast forward 10 years from now, let's say they're completely tied in the, the championship conversation. But you go back, and you go back to this game, and if Tom Brady went, you're right. Everybody is going to say, but, yeah, they're tied, but Tom Brady beat them in a head-to-head. Both so is times. That the, that's the nullifier. Is that the nullifier of all conversations? Unless, of course, he gets eight, and he wins ten Super Bowls. Yeah, he's got to get he's got to get eight unless he beats him tomorrow. That's it. That's just how it is. Yeah, I think and that's how it is. Even eight, eight, you're still having that null conversation of well, Tom might Brady beat you though. Twice. Twice. One. You you'd you'd have nine if you could have beat him, and he'd only have six. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. I, I love these kind of types of conversations. It makes you think because at first I was like, he was like, no way, that oh, you can't have that conversation. Then you digest it, and you look at the parallels that Tony Romo was bringing down, and he's not wrong, right? I'm really excited for tomorrow. I I I think it's going to be a genuinely really good game. It's going to be fun. Okay. I can't wait. Well, let's let's preview it. Let's let's do it. Let's lock in our picks. Tell me the keys to the game. Give me your three biggest keys to the game. Give me a pick. Give me a score prediction, and give me just some player. What? Give me the MVP. Oh man, you're killing me. Okay. You knew it was coming. Like you're killing me. This is it's so hard to pick, right? It's so hard to pick. Yeah. And. I think in Tom Brady's Super Bowl career, he's an underdog right now. Mm-hmm. And he's going in as an underdog team. My pick is Tom Brady is going to win. That is my pick. As far as why, Tom Brady is probably on, arguably, the most dangerous team he's probably played on in a long time with the most explosive weapons, with the exception of Randy Moss. Of the, o- the, the 07 Patriots, who couldn't seal the deal. But yes, I get it. Yeah, yeah they really couldn't. They choked. Eli Manning. Choked. You know, should he be in the GOAT conversation? No, I'm just kidding, guys. Don't kill me for this. But anyway, Tom Brady's going into a game as an underdog. He's not going to like being an underdog. He has proven... That at 43 years old, he is able to do ridiculous things. And I don't want to bet against him. I really don't want to bet against him and the fact that he's been to this stage so many times. Gronkowski has been to this stage so many times. You've got a good coach. You've got weapons all over the place. You've got a good defense. The difference in this game is I think Tampa Bay's defense is a little bit better than Kansas City's. I think Tom Brady is a smarter football IQ quarterback right now than Patrick Mahomes. Not taking anything against Patrick Mahomes because he is one of the best. But Tom Brady is, old man time, has seen everything. Okay, That's a plus one for Tom Brady. And I think it's a flip of the coin on this one. But I'm going to take the score... 28 24 Tampa Bay. Okay. All right. I had not made my pick until just now. That's why I made you go first. Um Yeah, but listen to all the points that I yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm cheating. So it's going to come down to pressure. This this is something I've heard on all the the shows. I'm not coming out here and saying something quite, you know, crazy and wild that you haven't heard. It's going to come down to pressure. Patrick Mahomes creates a lot of his own pressures by running around and things like that. And a lot of times he gets out of them. Yeah. I'm looking at this and I'm looking at, I think it comes down to pressure and the tight ends. Um, they both have weapons. Tyree Kill's out there. Uh, Miko Hardman's out there. It looks like Sammy Watkins is going to give it a go. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should be out there. Maybe some Lev Bell. There's there's weapons there. Don't get me started on Mike Evans and and, and yeah. Chris Godwin and, and hopefully if he can go Ronald Jones and yeah. and Leonard it's- Fournette and 
there's weapons, weapons, weapons all around. Everybody gets a weapons. Uh, Oprah's happy. Everybody's getting weapons. Uh, it's like Oprah was happy in that first quarter of that uh, Brown Steelers game because everybody was getting a turnover. So it was great. It was fun. So he, the tight ends, the tight ends on offense is where it comes down to. Getting pressure on the quarterback. Mahomes can get away like Brady can't. But he creates pressure where Brady doesn't. Um, Mahomes has got Shaq Barrett to deal with. I mean, but Chris Jones is on the other side. You know, this game, like every time I try to give a point to the Chiefs, there's a counterpunch. Travis Kelsey is better than Gronkowski, though. And that's where I think it comes down to it. The Super Bowl MVP tomorrow is from Ohio. His name is Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs win 45 to 41. Either way. I don't know. I don't know. It's wild. I'm so stupid. Fun. It's going to be so fun watching it tomorrow. I know you and I are going to be texting back and forth like two schoolgirls. And, you, you know... I'm legitimately looking forward to it. Tomorrow's going to be a day where I have, you know, Sports Center or, or uh, the broadcast on the majority of the day because I want to hear the stories and the hype of the game. Um, but I'm reading a headline right now, and it's actually on ESPN. And it says, Storylines galore as Brady and Mahomes hook up in the Super Bowl. Someone will make history Sunday in a Super Bowl so filled with storylines it would fill a, CV, a season of TV programming. Yeah. And it's true. Like, out of such a roller coaster year for the NFL and the sport world and just life in general, we are getting the privilege of seeing arguably one of the best Super Bowl Bowl matchups of our lifetime right now. I mean, yeah, I was excited for the Giants playing the the Patriots. um, And the Giants and Patriots, too, in the championship was a big game because that was... It's a different kind of excitement. But this, having the respect of the sporting world, this is by far one of the best games. Yeah. I mean, I am pumped. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited for it. Uh, A a small programming note, the rest of the offseason, our shows will be posting on Saturday nights. We'll switch back probably about Wednesday nights once the season gets fired up next year. I can't wait. I can't wait to dissect it all tomorrow, uh, well, next week, and get into another round of mock drafts, talk about the offseason. It'll finally be upon us, the opportunity to get better and to hopefully be talking about Browns and Giants football this weekend next year. It's going to be a great time. I hope you guys have fun. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next time. See you guys.